previously on the Soundless Citadel. It can't be. You're, you're an undead. Urkiv puts himself between Methuselah and Mortis. Okay, okay, it's okay. Calm down. You knew? As a wanderer of the Ashen Cloak, my duty is clear. Those who are undead are servants of evil. You may do your duty, but I don't want it to be here. I don't want to put my friends through any more pain. So, it's to be somewhere it can't be here. You must understand. I take no joy in this. None. I know. She, goddess of the dust, grant my blade power so that it may send my friend to the next world with peace. Mortis's sword begins to glow a very low red hue and the edges burn with a white radiance and he lifts the sword up. Never would have really loved you. He swings the sword. Throughout the vastness of the multiverse, there lies a tavern. As you approach its doors, you catch bubbles of laughter that rise and burst into cheers as colorful groups of travelers find comfort in their bonds. As you head inside, the smile of the tavern keeper greets you. They're an otherworldly being with a bluish corporeal form. They wear attire befitting of an innkeeper, and they have a large cloudy nebula for hair speckled with stars which gently sways with their movement. Welcome to the Storyteller's Tavern, where stories are served like ale and a seat is open for you at every table. Tonight's special is the Sunless Citadel, an epic adventure of high fantasy with notes of friendship, danger, and most importantly, hope. Will our adventure survive to descend into the dungeon? Or is there a dark and calamity taking roots far from the sun's reach? The weight of the room is heavy as Erki stands quietly on the side, wondering what is the next course of action. Seeker is somewhere in the corner, thinking about their friend. They might never see it again. And Thorn, quietly humming to themselves as everything allows him to escape the reality that is current to the situation. Outside of the room, there is Methuselah. I would say Methuselah doesn't quite go back to the rest of the group. Methuselah leaves the room where Mortis is and then goes into their bag and actually takes out a lantern. And this lantern Methuselah hasn't really used because it's not an ordinary lantern. It's actually their holy symbol. It's an ornate lantern, very beautifully carved from iron, and it has this hook at the top to hook on to a walking stick. It's very old and rusted, and it's something that Thuzla's had for a very long time. And they're gonna take their oil and light it and leave it outside of the room where Mortis is, just as a light for him. And then is going to kneel down beside the flame and say, hello, uh, friend, I know, I don't talk to you as, as much as I used to. I guess for a long time, I, I thought that you had abandoned me, that I was too far gone, too far off the path for your sights. But I guess what I've realized now is that you were there and you've given me companions, friends who guided me back from the dark road that I was on. So I thank you for giving me Seeker and Thorn and Mortis and, and Herky. 
They've made my travels not alone. I know that Mortis isn't quite a worshipper of you, but uh, I know that he's on a difficult road. He's wandered off the path that his goddess has laid out for him, and I know that it'll be difficult for him to find his way. So if it's not out of your power, I hope that you can help him in some way. Guide him as you have guided me. And I hope that this isn't the last time that, you know, we get to talk. I'm sorry I've been quiet. Thank you again for helping me find my way back to this world, to friends, and just help us all in this time of uncertainty. Methuselah's gonna leave the lantern lit and then gingerly go back to the other room. But before I go in there, I just wanna like peek in and see what other people are doing. Looking within the room, you see all your companions are struggling into realizing what is happening or what to do next. How far are they away from the door? The closest one I imagine would be Erky. Methuselah's gonna take some chrysanthemums out of their hair and then start taking off the petals. And then as they come out, they're gonna throw it up like confetti. <laughs> and I'm gonna be like, well, uh, I guess I survived death again. I'm not really much for dramatic entrances, but ta-da! The voice echoes in the room, alerting you guys to the returned friend. Erky looks at you with a mixture of happiness and then slowly dissolves into horror. Upon seeing Methuselah, Seeker is going to scramble to their feet and make a mad dash for Methuselah just to give them a hug. This is gonna hug you back very warmly and tightly. Thorn gets up and he walks over. Methuselah, your trip was very fast. What did you bring back? Um, I have um myself. That's that's about that's about it. I I don't really have much. How was your trip? Was it fun? Well, uh, definitely more delightful than the last time. I don't remember it, but I would say more delightful than the last time. Well, it was a very fast trip. Thorn thought maybe you'd be gone for longer, but that's okay. It gives us much more time to play games. Oh yes, lots more time to play games. And then Thorn will just wrap his little arms around your waist and hug you too. Big old group hug. Slowly, Erky approaches. Hey, Methuselah? Um, good to see you. Where's Mortis? Slowly, Erky places their hand on the holy symbol. Oh, I killed him. And then you see a small smile on Methuselah's face. It's a clear joke. As you see his eyes squinting a bit, Erky slowly makes a face of, Why did you make this joke? Oh, that was a joke. I haven't made a joke in 300 years. Thorn goes, <laughs> It was a very good joke, Methuselah, especially since, well, it could have gone the other way, and I suppose Mortis is definitely okay. That's why I thought it was good. It was a sort of play on the situation. Well, Mortis is alright, physically, but uh, I think what he had to do was against his beliefs of his goddess, so... I think he just needed some time to reflect. I see. Is he on the other room? Yes, but I, I think it's best that he, he does have some time alone. He, he did request it from me. 
or else I probably would have stayed with him. Uh, actually, that does sound like a good idea. Alright, I think it's best for us to wait for him then. Meanwhile, what is Mortis doing? By this point, he's picked up the broken pieces of his holy symbol. He's just holding them out. In his other hand, he's holding the druidic holy symbol. And he's just staring at both of them. There's no one left to guide me now. No one left to grant me power. He's just sitting in the middle of the room, mumbling to himself. He's very emotionally distraught right now. It is something that slowly was creeping up within Mortis throughout this entire exchange. It reached its zenith at the moment of decision in between following your duty or saving your friend. It is such a painful and yet powerful feeling. After sitting like this for 10 more minutes, finally gets the strength to get up. He takes a bit of cloth from his bag, puts the broken holy symbol in it, wraps it up gently and puts it back and even though he knows he can't use it he clutches the the druidic holy symbol and then after he makes sure he has everything he slowly trudges towards the door and pushes it open you head towards the door you slowly open the one thing that is immediately caught by your natural ability to perceive things is this small little ornate lamp that is sitting just a few feet in front of the door. Mortis looks down at it for a moment, out of sort of confusion, and then it clicks with him, and he's like, mm. and he gently picks up the lantern and starts walking towards everyone. You open the door to the next room, and you see your friends. An overall sense of relief and immediate happiness permeates the area as they are happy and embracing Methuselah. When Methuselah sees Mortis, there's that instinctual moment of fear. It quickly fades as I see that it's my friend. Oh, Mortis, you're back. Yes, I, I, I am. You guys notice he's totally checked out. There's no hard emotions on his face. He just looks very spaced. I, I, I just need a moment. And then he's gonna walk over into sort of in his own little corner. I'm gonna try to catch up to him before he goes away. Mortis, you're gonna feel the mage hand on your shoulder, and I notice you're holding the lantern, I say, Oh, you can keep the lantern for tonight. You might need a light to guide you. Are you certain? It seems special in some way. It's important, but I think you might need it more tonight. I appreciate it. I, I, I'll watch over it carefully. If you need any more oil, I do have some as well. Thank you, my friend. You're welcome. And I'm gonna let Mortis go. What does the rest of you guys do in this moment? I think when Mortis first comes in, Thorn goes underneath Methuselah's coat as if hiding. When Methuselah starts going closer to Mortis, he then switches gears and goes and hides underneath Seeker's coat instead. Seeker, throughout this whole interaction, is just going to be playing with their cat toy that they have shoved in their pocket. Just trying to calm themselves down. Erky slowly approaches Mortis. Hey, man, uh, you okay? I don't know how to answer that. There is a part of me missing. I can't define it. I, I fear that I have forsaken everything that I ever believed in. But I do not know how it would have been if I had gone through with it. Yeah, look, I'm not gonna say I know what you feel. But look, in the road that we traverse, may it be... Towards righteousness, 
or knowledge or whatever it may be, we're gonna find rocky paths. If you need any help or if you just need someone to be beside you, I'm here. Um, it might not be much, but we all have rough patches to go through. That doesn't mean we need to go alone. Mortis's mouth twitches in the closest thing he can get to a, a sort of smile, but then it quickly fades away. Thank you, Erky. You're a good man. I am sorry that I questioned your place as a holy man and said such hurtful things to you. I, I was not in a proper state. I kept it from you, and knowing how important your order is to you, I should have handled differently. Safe to say the situation is complicated, but hopefully we will both find some clarity in it. But for now, I I have much to consider. Don't forget that I'm here for you, if you need. It allows you to have space. Like walking a little bit back, and then approaching the door that leads towards the laboratories. Already thinking ahead on what is the next course of action for this group. Oh, Erky, where, where are you off to? Oh, I was actually just getting close to the door. Oh, well, I think that after that we should probably take a bit of a rest. I know some of us are a little worse for wears from that fight and subsequent things that happened. Yeah, that's a valid point. Um, but we need to rest here. It's just that this is an open space and a lot of skeletons were here just a little while ago. I'm afraid that they might appear again. Maybe we could go into one of the rooms in the laboratory again, such as the one we spent with Ringa. I suppose so, we could do that. Alright, let's go there then, guys. No time to waste. He ushers the rest of you guys towards that room. Alright, how do we want to do the watch? I can obviously stay up, but you know, company would be nice. I'd love to do a watch with you, Methuselah. Thorn's mouth starts to stretch, composing a very wide smile. Thorn won't respond. Instead, he'll walk away a little bit and go through his bag and open the book. Privately take a look at it. Keep an eye out to both the darkness and your turn, friend. Spend the night watching with your turn, friend. Thorn looks at Methuselah and Seeker as he puts his book away and comes back over and he'll go Thorns will take a watch with Mortis if Mortis is staying awake tonight. Mortis looks surprised. Uh, sure, if, if you if you would like to, I, I could do a watch with you. Yes, let us do that. And then Thorn backs off the moment he's done that sentence. Well, uh, if you don't mind, I'll be up anyway, so if you don't mind me joining. By the end of your sentence, Thorn, a very satisfying purr permeates at the back of your mind. Yes, uh, that is fine, it is fine. As long as Elvis does not get tired. No, I don't get tired in, in this sort of way. Because you are dead. Yes, exactly. Yes, well... Thorn says he will sleep first, and then afters we can take the watches. Sounds good. Thorn, for Methuselah and Seeker's watch, sits on the tail of Methuselah's coat and curls up on it and sleeps like that. I have a question. 
mm-hmm. because I've noticed this Thorn's smile when talking to the Marquis. Is there any way I can do an insight check to see anything off about Thorn suddenly wanting to do like a watch with Mortis? Is Thorn trying to hide anything or is just not even paying attention to Methuselah at this point? I think to some capacity, Thorn's trying to hide it a little more because of the reactions he's gotten from Methuselah and Mortis. Please do roll deception. This will be a contested check. Thorn got a 19 deception. 21. You did catch that. There is an outside influence that prompt this decision from your friend, Thorn. Methuselah's going to keep it to themselves. All right. So... It is now the watch. I would like the guys watching the night, making sure that everything is okay, to do a perception check. Methuselah got a 10, a dirty 20. Clearly Methuselah is still shaken up by the circumstances that took place a few moments ago. Methuselah on the watch, at first when they came into the room, they seemed in good spirits. Probably the adrenaline of almost dying and then not having to go through that again. But it is starting to fade away and they're a lot more somber and quieter now. During the watch, Methuselah's gonna say, Again, uh, I'm sorry, Seeker, that I couldn't tell you the truth. It's not because I didn't trust you. It's because, um, I just didn't want anything to happen to our friendship. I understand. Like you said, you you gone to so many places where people would treat you differently when they found out and I suppose that that would really have an impact on how you approach friendships from that point forward. Yes, of course. Uh, I think the only people that were friendly to me were vultures, but that's because I think that they wanted to eat me because I I am undead, so... Well, I'm glad that they didn't eat you, because then you wouldn't be here, and honestly, I don't think that we all would have made it this far without you. You're you're kind of, I don't know, maybe maybe our heart and our soul. You're definitely the one that inspires us to keep going. Thank you, Sika. That, that means a lot. You probably noticed that Methuselah is staring at your neck where the necklace is. Seeker is going to first reach into their pocket. Oh, and uh, I should I should probably give these back to you. Oh no, you, you don't have to. It, it was a gift. But they're, you know, they're, that's a very, very untrue thing. There's clear in their face that they're like, I, I, I'd like it back. Well, no, Methuselah, because you gave them to me thinking that you were not going to be able to continue on. And so it, it's only right that since you are, you are continuing on, that you should have these back. And they're going to put the notebook in your lap and then take the necklace off and bit over your hair <laughs> it's gonna probably take a minute because Methuselah's got some pretty great hair yeah there's a lot to figure out there and these are yours and I, I wouldn't feel right keeping them with you still walking around well thank you and Methuselah's going to clutch the necklace it's really something to realize that they're all gone every member of my troop is past and it's just me and Yorick that's left and Chrysantha. Yeah, but as long as you keep their memories alive and, you know, sing songs about them all, then 
then they're not really gone if people remember them. That is very true. I just, you know, wish I had the chance to say goodbye. I know I, I did when I left with Chrysantha all those years ago, but I never thought it would be my last goodbye to them. Well, not to get all weird about it, but I don't think that a lot of times when people go, we think it's going to be our last goodbye with them. So we really do need to just cherish all the time that we have with the people that we love, the people that we're close to. Oh, I definitely agree. I think that that's a big thing that Luxair teaches. But it is still a hard lesson to learn, especially when it's one thing to say it and another thing to experience it. Well, that makes a lot of sense. I, I know that she's still alive, but one of the things that scared me the most was that what if when I gave Faith that last hug goodbye, like, when I thought that she was gone, what if that was it? What if I wasn't going to see her again? I imagine that was quite hard to think about. Yeah, because, I mean, I'm, I'm older than her, so I've lived a couple years in this world without her, but I don't really remember much. I was I was almost three when she came along, and, and I don't have many conscious memories before that, I don't think. I know I had my first tomato at like two, but that's about it. You two have been together for a very long time, and soon enough you will reunite. And you're gonna reunite with Chrysantha too, and it's gonna be amazing, and I hope that it's everything that you ever wished for. Oh yes, uh, I cannot wait to go back to her. That's the only thing that I want. Just to see her again. Play her song for her again. I don't know. There's something about her song that just inspires me, and makes me want to play it all the more. Mostly because I love her, but something else. Something stronger. Seeker's just gonna nod. Well, I'm I'm glad that you have her song, and I'm glad that you wrote it because it's an amazing song. And I'm glad that it makes you happy the way that it does. Did you know that Chrysantha had a nickname for me? Oh, go on. She used to call me her magpie. Well, I, I've heard of those birds. I don't really know what they look like. Well, they're kind of like a raven, but they have a lot more white on them. And they're known to be very, very chatty, so... Chrysantha would tend to use that nickname whenever I was getting too chatty. Oh, I'm at Ravens? I, I think I've chased a few. I definitely have chased a few. Oh, fun game. Very fun game. Well, you know how I said that Cat Castle doesn't really have a rat problem? Do you not have a bird problem either? We don't have a bird problem, but sometimes birds like to go into the fields, which can cause a problem. I imagine. We have to keep our tomatoes safe. Yes, I imagine your catish warriors have to do their duties. I know that uh, Chrysantha would love to visit Tom's Rest. Such a beautiful and cheery place. Growing up there was amazing, and I'm... Very lucky to have been raised there. The rest of the watch continues, with small stock here and there, but nothing too relevant. And then, it is time now to proceed to the next one. So as it is time 
to wake up the next people for the watch with me. Methuselah is going to kind of turn and look back and see Thorn sleeping. So I'm just going to send my mage hand over to Mortis to wake him up first. Mortis, you're woken up by your colleague, your friend. Although when you look to the side, you only see their hand. They're still far away. You don't see this because his head's kind of turned away from you, but there is a brief look of sadness on it. But then he rolls over and gets up. Uh, hello, my friend. Uh, is, uh, is it time for the next watch? Yes, it's time for the watch with Yumi and Thorn. I was wondering, uh, would we be able to speak for a moment before you wake, Thorn? I, I, I didn't want to ask in front of the others. I just didn't. I thought it might not seem. He looks down proper. Oh yes, of course, my friend. He kind of looks at you like, so you're going to be able to move. <laughs> oh, do you want me to get up? If you can't, it's all right. I just... <laughs> Methuselah takes off the jacket and, like, puts the part that I'm wearing on my body over Thorn like a little blanket. And then I'm going to walk off with Mortis. Seeker is going to look at Mortis for a moment. Uh, Mortis. Oh, uh, yes, Sika. Uh, I know that you kind of want to talk to Methuselah, but I, I might have an idea about something that we could talk about. Uh, idea about what? How to handle the situation with Thorn. Oh, y yes, of course. Thorn, we, we have to help Thorn. You're right. Isn't that what this is about? Yes, yes, in, in a way, yes. Did you want to bring up what you had to say first, or would you prefer if Seeker gave their idea? Well, I suppose there's nothing I can say to you that I wouldn't also be able to say in front of Seeker. I imagine he put the lantern like in the center of the room as he's just sitting around it, almost like a campfire sort of thing. He gestures for you guys to join him. I'll sit down. Seeker will also sit down. Methuselah. Yes, go on, my friend. Word. It's difficult to put to words the things I want to say to you, but that's neither for here or there. But I think that for all of us, there can be no more secrets. I almost did something I never expected to do because of a lack of trust and... My, my reaction was overblown, of course, but I was wondering if I could ask you a few questions regarding your state. Oh, yes, of course. I'm an open book on that end now. Do you remember how you died? I don't remember how I died. I remember the moment, though. It's so strange because it's not something that's happened in this world, in this place. It, it, I was in a place of shadows. Uki called it the Shadowfell. I don't really know what that means, but it was a place of no light, with no stars. And I remember 
walking through a tunnel. Now there was a light ahead of me, or at least what I assumed there was light. Every step that I walked, I wasn't getting any closer to it, but I still felt the need to walk towards it. And in my hand there was, not in my hands, I didn't have any. I was sort of balancing this candle in my arms. And there was this wind from behind me that was threatening to blow the candle out. All I remember is the shade telling me to turn around. And I wanted to. There was a strange hope that kept me going. But that hope didn't last forever, and I turned around. I listened to the voice telling me to look back. And that's when I died. It wasn't a fall, it wasn't a time of unconsciousness. I didn't go anywhere into an afterlife. I just blinked as the wind sort of rushed through me, and this this coldness overcame me. And I knew I was gone. Although anything before that, from the time there was a storm, and going into the shadow fell, it's still a blur. And I, I want to know what happened, but fortunately, being entirely honest, I don't know. I don't know what took me. I believe you. Uh, these things can be difficult. Memory is a fickle thing. It seems, and this is only a theory, but I, I believe you may have been influenced by some sort of entity. Uh, what do you know of this shade that you speak of? It's strange. The shade came to me in Shadowfell. It was a voice that said some very mean things and kept taunting me with things that I wanted but would cause me great pain. And I know how the shade appears. It is me. And that's one thing that confuses me. The shade, how it looked before, it, it, that, that's how I looked when I was alive. So I don't really know if it's an entity. I don't know what it is, but I've got this strange feeling that it's not something that existed before I was in the Shadowfell. I think it's something that came from me, came from Shadowfell itself. That's all I know. I can tell you what I know, or at least what I've observed. Uh, in moments of great pain or stress, it seems that multiple times I've witnessed you be enveloped by a sort of shadow power. When we fought the dragon, it, you seemed to give off this insane energy and speak with a voice that was not your own. And in these very halls, when we encountered the goblins, this same power overtook you when you were struck by an arrow. At the time, I believed that it was this power that kept you alive. But when you were under its influence, you were cold. 
You seemed to kill without restraint. From everything I could tell, it didn't seem like it was you controlling it. I, I don't know what this is or what, where it came from, but I, I am concerned for you. Methuselah weirdly checks out on half of the things that you say because there's something that in the first half of what you said about the shade, about what you noticed, that catches Methuselah. And it's like the gears turning in their mind as they're seemingly putting something together. And they say, You know, now that I think about it, this is weird to say, but when I was in the Shadowfell, I was in so much pain. So much agony, and the only thing that kept me going was the fear of failure. And when I heard the shade, and I turned around, all of that pain was gone, just like you said. And all of those times has been moments of pain. It's as if the shade has been trying to save me from that pain in a weird way. Obviously not through good means, but... It is strange. This shade, it seems to be another mystery that we'll have to solve. Uh, another matter. I noticed early on that you seem to be in a bit of confusion as to the time that we are in. You, you seemed fervent in your belief that the Draconic Empire was still raging. Was there a point where you realized that time had passed, or are you still confused? Well, I didn't know how much time had passed while I was in the Shadowfell. As I said, I, I died there, so the only memory I have about this world is, you know, the last memory of me going into the Shadowfell, and that was 300 years ago. I think I knew it all along. I just didn't want to accept that everyone that I knew was gone. That's understandable. I don't know how much use I'm going to be after we finish everything we need to down here, but I can promise you that I will do everything I can to help you solve the mysteries that plague you. Uh, I cannot imagine what it must have been like to be ripped from your own time period into a world unlike what you've ever known. I am sorry that this fate has befallen you, my friend. It is quite lonely, but uh, I'm glad I found friends now. And I know that when we find Chrysantha, she'll love to meet you, especially since you're a hero like her. So, you know, she'll have a lot to connect. She likes swords and, and fighting and all that like you do. So you'll be able to bond over that quite well. I am no longer certain that I befit the title of a hero. I'm just an old man with a sword. Well, you're a hero to me. You did save my life. I suppose that's a way of looking at it. And then there's like a moment of silence, and he turns to Seeker. And before I move on from this topic, uh, there's something I need to say to you, Seeker. Uh, yeah, Mortis? I... I was not in a proper state when I discovered the truth about Methuselah. I, I snapped. I, I said things to several of you that I deeply regret, and 
I apologize profusely for making you go through the torment of thinking you would lose one that you've grown to care so much about. My own faith in myself has been somewhat shattered. I, I don't know if I'm worthy to call myself a paladin any longer, but with what powers I have left, I will work to regain your trust. Of both of you, and he glances towards Thorn, and everyone. Well, I think that you're still a really great paladin, Mortis, and and I know that it wasn't easy for you going through this. I was having a difficult time of it myself, and I know that you're a you're a good turtle, and and they're gonna glance at Mazuzla briefly. I forgive you because you're my friend, and in the end, you made the right choice. And I thank you for that, because I don't think that once it had set in, you would have been able to go on knowing that you hurt not just one of your friends, but a handful of them. I, d- I don't think that you're the type of person who could go on after having done that and just not be affected by it. You're, you're not like that. In the short time I've known you, your insight has impressed me, Zeker. You may consider yourself a thief, but you're, you have much more honor than you give yourself credit for. And then he plants a hand on your shoulder. You would be a great paladin, greater than I could ever hope to be. Seeker's going to smile, and I know that if I were to become a paladin, there's no one I'd rather have guide me than you. But we should move on. And then he glances towards... Methuselah. While they're having this moment, I'd say Methuselah's writing down in their little journal about how this whole conversation unfolds just for their song. And then Methuselah's gonna say, Well, uh, I guess we should move on to what you had to say, Seeker, if that is all. It is. The past is behind us. We must focus on the present moment, uh, freeing Thorn from that creature. So, in our previous discussion, that the three of us had. It was mentioned that the Marquis likes playful individuals. Yes, likes games, but not in the same way of the Cat Lady, if that's what you're thinking. Of course not, because the Cat Lady's form of play is very pure and helpful, and I don't think that the Marquis really goes in for helpful kind of play. But I suppose my point here is that I know that you said that you would do this, Mortis, but if you find yourself unable to, I would be willing to help. Mortis looks at you with surprise. To offer such a thing is very brave, Seeker, but I'm afraid I cannot allow that. You are young. You have so much life left to live after this dungeon. Regardless of how I feel at the moment and my place with the gods, it is only right that I be the one to take on this burden. Thorn has been with me longer than anyone else here, and I must shoulder this responsibility. Should I fall in this process, it will have been worth it, knowing that I have atoned. 
Seeker is not going to respond. They're simply going to nod. Well, if you need any help, uh, we'll be here for you, Mortis. To be honest, I, I, I'm not sure quite how to proceed. Before everything that happened, I had hoped that I would be able to use my faith to protect me and to protect Thorn through this, but now I fear the gods have forsaken me. If it's any uh, consultation, I, I think that you don't need the gods to protect you. I think that your love for Thorn will see you through. I know that might seem cheesy in some way, but I think that love is powerful and sometimes even outshines the powers of the gods. I know that, in a way, the only reason I'm here is because of love. So if anyone's going to save Thorn, it'll be you. And I think as long as you hold that love in the highest regard, I don't think the Marquis will even be able to touch you. Love was the only power that allowed me to come out of that room and face you all after what had happened. And I don't know if my bond with Thorn is the same after everything I said, but I will do everything in my power to protect him. It is my duty. And we don't doubt that for a second, my friend. Oh, not at all. And I hope that you didn't think that I was insulting you. I've just become, I think, pretty close to Thorn, and I see him kind of as a little brother. And, well, if if I'm one thing, then I'm protective over my younger siblings. For the first time in, since you guys can remember, you see Mortis genuinely have a little smile. Not an insult at all, my friend. You are simply showing your devotion and that you are willing to sacrifice. And for that, I greatly respect you. I don't know what powers I will have to use to best this fey creature, but I live confidently knowing that even if I fail, Thorn will have the two of you to protect him. Yes, of course, you can count on that. I know you can do it, Mortis, and I don't see why she would forsake you because you're the best paladin I've ever met, personally, and you might have kind of gone against her teachings, but it wasn't in a bad way, I don't think. But anyways, the cat lady will have your back. I'm glad that at least one of the gods is still on my side. Uh, it is not my place to know the inner thoughts of the gods, but uh, I will cling to everything I have been taught as both a paladin and a warrior. I think if all has been said, I should be ready to proceed, if you both are. Yes, of course. I'm ready if you're ready, Mortis. And I will say, I did pick up on something when Thorn asked to have a watch. I noticed there's a certain way that Thorn smiles. It's not quite his own, in a way. So I have a feeling that the Marquis might want something. That smile. I will never forget that smile until my dying day. The same smile that that creature put on Thorn as he killed those goblins. That smile is many things, but it is not Thorn. If the Marquis wants an audience, I am ready to give him one. 
once we're kind of wrapped up in our conversation, I will wake up Thorn. At this point, Seeker's gonna get a little bit of rest, but not like completely zonking out. I swear, if if we need your assistance, I will let you know, my friend. Thank you, Mortis. I don't want to leave you guys in the lurch, but I also need to make sure that I'm strong enough to continue going on. Yes. We will need your strength and cunning if we are to best this horrid druid after the business with Thorn is dealt with. I'll get face back. Assuredly. Thorn, you're shaken awake by your friends. Oh, yes. Is it time for the watches? Yes, sir. Mortis is already awake. We're ready. At Mortis's name, Thorn stares a little bit and goes, Yes! Yes! Let us... Let us do the watches, yes! And Thorn will stand up. He'll drag Methuselah's coat with him. It's way too big on him. But he just kind of drags it with him like it's his safety blanket. And when he sits down, he'll like wrap himself in it. As Thorn sits down, huddled in Methuselah's coat, Methuselah's gonna sit down like next to Thorn. A creeping smile appears in Thorn's face. Thorn pulls the coat over himself so that he's hidden under it, and he'll open his book while he's under the coat to take a look at what it says. The book writes a small little sentence saying, Light the torch center. Thorn will pull the coat off his head, and then he'll take out one of his torches, and he'll light it, and then just like place it down in front of him. So that the light's kind of encompassing where they are. We have the light of the lantern, Thorn. You need not waste your precious torches on this situation. Well, this is brighter. Miss Fusula quickly runs that information through their undead head. And you go, that doesn't really make sense. There's no reason to light a torch. There is already a light source here. It may be a small lantern, but it still causes just as much light. It's good enough. It's not for that reason, then. I'm going to say Methuselah puts those two things together, like what they thought about earlier and now, just really like assume that this has something to do with the Marquis and what the Marquis wants. So Methuselah's going to turn to Thorn. Thorn, what game does the Marquis want to play this time? Thorn does not know. Mortis sits awkwardly, not really sure how to react. Uh, I was wondering, Thorn, could I speak to your friend? I, I know I said some hurtful things to you, but I deeply regret it. Uh, what I said is unforgivable, and I understand that you don't exactly trust me at the moment, but it is important that I speak to the Marquis. I, I wish to thank him for taking such good care of you. Thorn stares at Mortis, then just slowly puts the coat back over himself so that he can look at his book. Thorn, please, I I know I don't deserve your kindness, but... You just hear Thor go, As you look into your book, there is a little message for you there. Turtle once. Bond and bond. 
has been sold since you have some course. Thorn, still underneath the coat, you hear him start singing that song you've heard him sing. You're just mine, seeking changed eyes. He just starts singing it to himself and giggling in between as he does so. You guys hear whispering at first underneath the jacket, but as the verses proceeds, so does the volume increase and the small chuckles and laughter also intensifies. As it does have its own crescendo, the world around you starts to become different. The light within the lantern small like candlelight starts to dim until the point that it doesn't shed any brightness outside of its confines instead there's only a small golden light imprisoned within the metal ornate lantern in opposition though the light of the torch that is in between you guys starts to increase in intensity, as small hues start to emanate from within the flame, and as the song reaches its intense ending, the light of the torch is multicolored, displaying hues against the intense darkness that is all around. The multicolored light of the torch that is in between you guys brightly emanates and lights up the small vicinity as the intensity of the shadows completely creates a contrast between what's inside of the light and what's outside. Behind the jacket, where Thorn is currently hidden underneath, a smile opens up that encompasses half of the circle as two very big eyes also appears on top of this bright, banged smile. A smile that Methuselah knows way too well as the Marquis. Looking at your surroundings very quickly, you see that there's the smile near Methuselah, but looking to your immediate right, there seems to be almost a claw paw sitting on the side. Close to behind you, another one seems to be pointing towards the same direction. It gives you the impression that this very large creature encircling you with its huge body. episode of the sunless citadel thank you so much for listening subscribe to us on whatever app you use to listen to podcasts and be sure to catch the next installment of the sunless citadel every thursday at 12 p.m est if you like the show please consider leaving a review it's a small way to show your support that goes a long way 
To connect with us, follow our social media accounts, and if you'd like to support us, you can head over to our Patreon to join the conversation, use sneak peeks of our next project, and discover our fantastic bonus content. Our intro score was created by Patrick Corton from Off the Beaten Path Musical. The Sunless Citadel can be found in Tales from the Yawning Portal by Wizards of the Coast. The world of Nosomundus was created by Pedro Stockler. Thanks again for listening from all of us at the Storyteller's Tavern.